Hey guys, this is part one of the Baffin Island Base uh, Expedition Series, and uh, we're going to cover some topics that were a little vague for Brian and Aaron prior to going to Baffin Island, and so we just want to put some information out there for anyone that is considering going there in the future. Um, this was recorded on location at the landing area for the Crack, Sputnik, Wallenstadt, it's known by all those names uh we were recording in my van so i apologize if the sound quality isn't quite as good as usual uh you'll hear some birds chirping and some occasional cars driving by but uh it was a fun show and uh we look forward to doing more so please let us know what you think uh like it share it and uh enjoy three two one see ya you're listening to the peace life podcast with your hosts Welcome to another episode of the Base Life Podcast. Um, this is going to be a multi-part series covering Baffin Island. And uh, joining us today, Brian is going to be on the other side of the interview table, along with Aaron, because they are both recent alumni of Baffin Island. And uh, Ben is going to help me do some interviewing. Today's topic is going to be what, Brian? Today we're going to talk about gear. So we've got we've got a bunch of different topics that we can cover. There's a whole lot of learning that happened out at Baffin Island. Um, so we just decided we're going to split it up and we're going to chat about different aspects of, of the entire trip. Mostly because the idea is that there was a whole lot of unknowns that happened going into this trip. And I think it would be of interest to a lot of people to really uh, have a an opportunity to listen to somebody that's been there cover, you know, topics that I wish I would have had. So I think that's where we're going to go. I think this first series, we'll just talk a little bit about gear and gear choices and optimal things to have when you're going to go freeze your ass off up in the, in the Arctic. I mean, we're looking at Aaron's fingers and they're finally not, uh, you know, melting off. So... You know, yeah. if you don't want your fingers to melt off, here, listen to this podcast and maybe maybe you'll be okay. So yeah, so yeah, gear gear is today, and uh, yeah, I think uh, I'll let you what are, stick what are, with your what are, interview questions. What are some of the other uh, topics that listeners can expect to hear from in the future? Yeah, so we're going to cover four different topics. The first topic today is going to be gear. We'll also be talking about actually the base jumping, because that was the awesome part that made all of that suffering worth it, right, Aaron? That was the whole point, right? Base yep. jump. Yeah. And then we'll also talk about dealing with the cold. And then uh, we'll we'll also have the, the last part, which will be um, focused on life inside of a base camp in the Arctic Circle. So stay tuned for those. But for now, let's talk about gear. Yeah, so... Um, what was the best piece of gear? What was the, like the, the piece of gear you were most happy to have? For me, well, there's, there's kind of, there's the, the jumping gear and then there's kind of just camp gear. Yeah. Let's say around camp gear first. Yeah. So like cold stuff. Camp gear. 
the thing that I was super happy to have was down booties. Man, those things were awesome. Like, you know, the boots, you get the Baffin rated, you know, minus 40 degree boots or minus 100 degree boots. Bullshit. Like, I think the coldest it got while we were there was minus 35 and feet were cold. Like those, unless you're moving, those boots just aren't enough. But you can be in camp with these down booties with just, what's that fabric on the bottom? Yeah, it was, it, they were not, it's like Cordura that's on the yeah, bottom usually. Yeah, exactly. With a yeah. little bit of rubber because, I mean, the, the whole camp is just snow, including I the s- bottom of the, the tent. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, a warm pair of socks, maybe some foot warmers in there and those down booties were awesome. Everybody who didn't have down booties wanted down booties. Yeah. Chemical foot warmers? Yeah. Yeah. But go for the full foot length ones and do your research and get the ones that last for like eight hours, eight or 10 hours. Right. Um, Cause the little half ones that you get for skiing or whatever, just to put on your toes in the front of the boots. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nah. Ain't cutting it. Yeah. I mean, they're better than nothing, but having the full foot ones mm-hmm. were really good. Yeah. I mean, we'll cover more about cold in the other topics, but God damn. If you didn't have, I mean, warmers made all the difference. Yeah. And, you know, there was 21 of us there. And every single person that had the down booties loved them. Everybody who didn't wanted them. So I think they were called Baffin Base Camp booties, right? Yeah. So Google it. You'll find them. Worth it. So the one piece of gear that I didn't have for camp life that I wished I had had was a down onesie. Oh. Yeah. So if you listen to our last podcast, or an earlier podcast with uh, Joby, with our boy Joby, he, uh, I asked him, you know, what what makes Everest doable? What 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 is the one piece of get, kit that you could, you would say you'd have to have? And it was absolutely the one piece down, you know, whatever you call that Everest summit suit, whatever. And you were like, sweet. Now I know this. I'm not going to tell Aaron. <laughs> Well, I didn't have one either. And the, how many people do you think had them? Six at least? Yeah, at least. Everybody who had a uh, down onesie was always complaining about being warm. <laughs> I never complained about being warm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the down onesie would have been good. I mean, I had down pants and I had an awesome down parka that I had bought. But I don't know. Somehow the down onesie just would have been the thing to have. Yeah. I mean, Charlie lived in that suit. Everybody lived in that yeah, suit. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that was that was the thing to have. Base booties and, and onesies. So. But they're expensive. I mean, they're like over a grand. So do your shopping in advance. Look on eBay. Yeah, look for deals. Go go find somebody that tried to go up to Everest and is now selling their suit that they used once. Steep and Cheap has uh, stuff kind of along that line every now and then too that I see on there where it's like are you looking to summit K2 mm. like and it's the way they write, do the write-ups you know you're like yeah I I wasn't but I think I am now I'm gonna <laughs> buy this well then it's funny because Julie said so Julie Julie got one kind of she'd seen one secondhand she was hemming and hawing and at the end it like went and bought it and was so glad that she did and um, she was saying, you know, making the commitment to buy it. Now she's thinking in her head, you know, justifying having bought the suit, all, all of the adventures now that she's going to have to plan to, you know, make good use of the suit. That's yeah. funny, using gear as a motivation to do more <laughs> adventures. That's, that's pretty rad. <laughs> yeah. It's like owning a truck, you know? 
Yeah. You're like or a uh, Jeep or something. Oh, I've got this Jeep. I might so as well. It's so easy to go mountain biking or surfing right now because I have a truck, so I should probably do that. Sure. Uh-oh. Shit. Let me turn my shit off. I just realized I left my rig in Luke's car. I womp, just, womp. I just realized I just threw my cell phone out of the van and broke it on your door. <laughs> Oopsie. It's all right. At least you didn't leave it at a gas station and get it picked up by who knows well, who. You were kind of a shit show this morning. <laughs> he had to rescue my platypus. <laughs> platypus. Speaking of which. <laughs> speaking of platypi. Uh, we are on location, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, I can cover that in the intro. There you go. Enjoy the uh, singing songbirds and good conversation. So, gear topics. Next thing I have on my list, gloves. Oh, I chose <laughs> poorly. <laughs> there, <clears throat> There's no one size fits all. I would say gloves. You have to have, I would say, what minimum three different types of gloves. Minimum. Well, so there's there's camp, right? And so for in camp, I basically had pretty thick wool liners and then gloves that I could put over those liners. And then you can put hand warmers kind of in between those two layers. Mm. So I did manage to end up packing mostly with the, the liners on. But, you know, you have to take off the the outer gloves. You know, you get to a certain stage and then you have to pull out your hand warmers and warm your hands up and put it back in the gloves so you can continue Mittens are good, but you just can't really do much. You know, like the bomber, like down mittens are great. They'll keep your hands warm, but you just have to keep taking them on and putting them off. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, putting them on and taking them off. <laughs> yep. And then for jumping, and that's oh. where I chose poorly. I, I went I went out and spent like 60 bucks on these Rab gloves that I thought were going to be awesome. They were like wind stopper, and they had this great kind of leather palm that I thought would be really great for um, for pulling pilot shoot and first jump when we jumped off ottawa into that like mountain shadow and then when you open and realize that you're flying backwards under canopy it was cold and the wind was really blowing and of course your hands are raised above your head right because your toggles are up because you're in full flight flying backwards um and my fingers just yeah frozen sausages and then you know you're landing backwards you're trying to control yourself and pull everything in and yeah getting my stash bag out and parachute into the stash bag with frozen sausage fingers was not fun and then when i got back to the to the comatic with everybody else i just huddled in that wooden box just groaning as my hands started to thaw out was so painful yeah did did you have uh chemical heaters in those gloves when you're jumping no not during the jump did you fit them in there it would have been not awkwardly tight yeah, nope. there would have been no way to really do it because I I was trying and because those gloves were meant to be tight on your hand, mm-hmm. you you could theoretically fit the small hand warmers inside the palm of your hand, mm-hmm. but then there's that risk of is that going to get in the way of pulling a pilot chute? Right. So threat check down. Yeah. Yeah. But so the, then the second jump, I did my wool liners with hand warmers in the gloves and for my non-pull hand I jumped with with the two gloves and the hand warmer in it and with pull hand I kind of put the outer glove just kind of in my tracksuit with the hand warmer you know did the jump and then as soon as I landed you know back on with the hand warmer 
unzip ready to go. Julie had really good gloves and she actually brought two pairs because she was afraid that one pair would get wet. And so on the third jump, she gave me hers and they were, I think they were like polar tech and they just, they had more insulation Mm. and, um, yeah, that, that was, that was the best. I don't know what worked for you, Ryan. Your fingers are not peeling. Yeah. I'm, I'm one of the few that ended up with not black fingers or, you know, entire sheets of skin falling off from the cold. Genetics is part of that too. Yeah. I have some some cold genetics. What gloves were you wearing? So there I was trying to figure out what gloves to take with me to Baffin. And so I mean I'll I'll, co- I'll cover all of the different glove options that I went through, but I had a panic moment when I was packing and realized that I didn't have a whole lot of really warm gloves. And so I went and bought these ridiculous 200 euro mittens that had like a three-part piece to them you know an an inner liner an outer liner and an outside like mitt and those were perfect post jump gloves they were not perfect for everything else because you just with mitts they're warm but you just can't do anything with them so like when you're in camp and you have to open your tent zipper mitts are a pain so Mitts are awesome, especially post-jump, to have in your bag that's on on landing. Throw those on, warm up a bit. That's great. Or if you're going to be sitting in, let's say, an igloo for hours on end, waiting for the wind to stop. Uh, yeah, mitts are great. The next step down were, were the Black Diamond Five Finger Gloves that uh, Bam Bam hooked me up with. And I owe him huge for that. Um they were, I would say, on the big side, but literally you could use your hands. And I, I wore those almost all all trip. And then for jumping, I thought I had decent gloves. I mean, I, I think looking back on it, definitely want something with windproof. Like whatever it is, make sure that it's windproof. And whatever it is, make sure it's got, you know, at least some insulation neoprene whatever it is it's got to be um it's going to be cold jumping is is, is going to be uncomfortable but that that little bit of of windproof it's it's tough and i think what you should really do is go out in the winter time and test your gloves um i didn't really do that i mean i i, I did jump with gloves in the winter time for the last couple of years no problem but it was not the gloves that i took with me um, and so I ended up with, I mean, some thin gloves, but they were good enough, but definitely every jump hands were numb on opening. Yeah. I jumped those wrap gloves off of high ultimate in January and February and they were not sufficient. Yep. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll cover that on the, the cold topic, but I mean, this is, this is colder than anything I've ever experienced. And so it's really hard to really get a good test of how stuff is going to work out when it's that cold. Find a walk-in freezer and then go in there for two hours. There, walk-in freezers aren't even that cold. No? No. I've been waiting to cough. <clears throat> there we go. Get them all out. Lots of coughs. Noises. That's staying in. So anyway, um, so yeah, I mean, gloves, gloves are actually a, a multi-part, you know, planning process. 
for different aspects of Baffin. Um, and it's it's really tough to to find a way to to test that because I mean negative twenty you just don't find that very often. But uh, yeah, so I mean gloves are a great thing to have, but I think the hand warmers are really what makes the make or break what's going on. Yeah, you know, uh, recently Jen and I were at uh, a thing called Testival in Austria, and there was a booth there, and I wish I could remember the name, I can't for the life of me. That and they make really thin paragliding electric gloves that have a battery pack that straps around your wrist mm-hmm. and you turn them on. Yep. And uh, I tried them on and fired them up, and those things were, they said they'll keep your hands that warm for six hours. Correct. And so we talked about that while we were up there because we, we talked about having battery powered uh, insoles for your boots, battery powered gloves. And everything battery powered in Baffin is doesn't work for a shit. Piece of shit. So when we talk about gear and we talk about electronics, I guess we can kind of segue into that. Um, yeah, the cold saps batteries mm-hmm. bone dry instantly, mm-hmm. and the only way to have electronics that work is to keep them on your on your body so the inside pocket of the inside layer of the inside jacket that you're Mm -hmm. wearing is the only place to put electronics to stay warm enough to actually work i put my phone on airplane mode and that was going to be my camera for the trip and i realized that if i couldn't put it in the outside gore-tex layer Mm -hmm. an easy access pocket yeah it had to be inside touching skin and i watched it as i pulled it out of that pocket Went to go take a picture, and while it was exposed to cold air, on airplane mode, went from 80 to 20%. <laughs> in the Immediately. T- yeah, over the course wow. of trying to take pictures, I just watched my battery just disappear. Mm-hmm. We had a professional photographer on the trip, and um, he was taking some pictures, and yeah, I mean, he had a bunch of batteries that he was trying to keep charged on the generator and stuff, but they just, they went super fast. And I think, didn't JMO bring like five cameras or something? Something like that. And yeah. he was like, yeah, no batteries. Yep. Yeah, my GoPro, um, GoPro battery, like you had to keep the GoPro battery in your pocket with the phone and your wet wipes because you didn't want frozen wet wipes. <laughs> <laughs> well, so here's the thing with wet wipes, right? So, so there's a choice. If they have a high enough alcohol content, they don't actually freeze. Yep. But then that's super high alcohol, alcohol content. If they don't, then you've got to keep them on you. You don't Otherwise, like the super high alcohol content ones? I like them. Just fine. Not everybody do you? Them. Do you like them? Yeah. Just have like <laughs> icy shit tickets like ready to go. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. that burn. We'll cover the camp lavatories in <laughs> another episode. In the camp episode. In, in base camp episode. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so your pocket that's close to your skin is full of shit. Uh, you've got every electronic that you want to work. You've got... Um, you know, your wet wipes, your lighter, if you're, you know, if you want to have flame, there's no way to, you have to keep it warm. So. Contact um, solution. That was my, that was my problem. There were a couple of nights I went to bed with my contacts in my eyeballs because I had not remembered to pull out my contact solution early enough to warm it up. To, yep. And it was just like, no, no, yep. not happening. Yeah. So that's why the, uh, the cold episode is going to be a full, full range of topics. So, um, electronics, 
there's there's a handful of people that had. I'm actually going to look at my notes real quick. Sorry for the paper jostling, but um, having a like a external battery pack was exactly. really good. Um, so uh, one of the things that uh, was talked about is the the best in breed when it comes to battery banks was the uh, the anchor a n k e r anchor brand battery banks uh those things held up in the in the cold really well and that i mean honestly that was helping out a whole lot of people that like me it just wasn't going to work out otherwise um so yeah when you bring uh, electronics to the arctic it's it's going to be hard to do pulling out gopro batteries from your inside inside pocket plugging it into your gopro as you're on exit point yeah and literally having the GoPro stop working a yeah. minute before exit. The other thing to realize about GoPros is that those mounts, the sticky mounts, when they mm. get cold, snap off. I think on mm-hmm. the first jump that we did, didn't we lose three? like three four? or four cameras? Something like that. GoPros? Yeah. GoPros were snapping off all over the place because of the extreme cold. And anybody that tries to put a GoPro mount in the cold, yeah, if too you, late. If you mount one in the cold, it's... I mean, I, I've never been at that level of cold, but I definitely mounted one in the cold and lost it like two hours later. So what <laughs> is, uh, what's a piece of gear that you brought that you totally didn't need? Or was just <laughs> <laughs> ah. So ahead, I actually overpacked base layers. Mm-hmm. I, I stayed I, in base layers longer than I thought it would just because it was like hard to change. So uh, one of the things, yeah. I brought T-shirts. What a waste of time. There was no need for T-shirts. I never wore a T-shirt ever. Um, I brought base layers, and I think everybody I talked to, we all wore base layer, the same base layer almost 10 days straight, if not more. Julie and I didn't. I changed once, and that was it. And But... My base layer top, I never changed. I wore that the entire trip. I also didn't hike. So that was one of the things we talked about was the difference between, uh, you know, hiking to exits and having a heli. Yeah, of course. If you were hiking to exits, you were going to be sweating like crazy, and you were going to want to take those wet base layers off when you got back to camp. But for the rest of us, like, there was no reason to change clothes, and changing clothes would be such a pain in the dick. And if you read Endurance about Shackleton, you don't have to take them off because those guys didn't change clothes for 600 days. Mm. One pair. Yeah. You I mean, li- you can live. There's no bacteria at negative 20. Ah, that's a good point. I mean. There are smells, though. <laughs> <laughs> there were there were some smells, but, I mean, in general, like, I, you know, do the sniff test, and I was like, all right, not so bad. I mean, I still put deodorant on each morning but yeah definitely packed too much like non-essential clothes and definitely ended up with um ended up wearing clothes that i just kept on the whole time i did enjoy my onesie though yeah my party onesie not the down onesie because i didn't have one of those until you had to pee yes this is true Mm Hmm. so if you have a butt flap Butt flap is nice to have. Good to know. Butt flap onesie type yep. thing. Yeah, I found out about my butt flap 
halfway through the trip. I was like, oh, look, there's a zipper back here. You had a butt flap and didn't know it? I had a butt flap and had no idea for at least half a trip. And then I realized that there was a zipper up on the top side. And I was like, oh, what's this do? Oh, look at that. I could wear these down pants and take a poop. Uh, Well, it's okay. I only took three poops while I was there. So, How many days were you there? How many days total? It was, I mean, ten days of heli with a day or two. Oh, unhealthy. Well... No, I mean maybe that's we were not in camp for this. like eleven nights because then we spent that last night in Clyde River. Right. Yeah, something I pooped, like that. I pooped every other day, give or take, which was that's totally pretty good for Brian's. And that's totally not, fine for not me. not to get off topic there, but yeah, and you know my my GI tract, you know, bowel movement frequency is perfectly fair game for public consumption. Should <laughs> <laughs> so so talk anyway. about hats? Yeah. What What'd you put on your head? Oh, what did you... Hats. I, I did not wear any hats. Yeah, don't bring a hat. There's no need for a hat. However... Not, not a, like, make, make America great again hat? No MAGA hats. No but baseball caps. But balaclavas for jumping. Boom. Balaclavas, uh, neoprene face shields. Um, you want zero exposed skin. Ask Kenny Daniels. Um, quick note when we get done with this. Please, please remind me to tell you guys my balaclava story. Okay. So, yeah. So, balaclava, I wore nonstop almost the entire trip, even in my sleeping bag for a while. Like, once you get into your sleeping So, th- we'll talk about this in the cold camp or in the cold uh, episode. Balaclava, nonstop, just keep it on your head, even in the sleeping bag, till it warms up a little bit. Then you can rip that up, that guy off but then uh neoprene face mask what did you end up with so i had so around camp i had a i had a buff on most of the time and then i had um that wool neck warmer that annette made for me mm-hmm. and that was one of my favorite things um and then i had my safish hat that i was wearing most of the time um for jumping i had a like a balaclava and that was good um, and then I had, you know, the furry rainbow hat for fun. Which was surprisingly warm, wasn't it? It was surprisingly warm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I doubt anything else going on contributed to the warmth at the time. Actually, when we first arrived in Clyde River, we basically had 15 minutes to put on all of our warm stuff. And then we basically packed up the snowmobiles and we were in wooden boxes called Comatex behind the snowmobile for five hours. And I was actually in a balloon basket wrapped in, what is that, plastic wrap. Mm-hmm. Um, it was cold. And open top. Open and windy. Um, so actually the I put the furry hat on like as soon as I got yeah. there, you know, with the, have the little like Paul gloves like attached to it. And, and actually it did really well. Yeah. And then I could, so I had my like hand, my hand woolen hand warmers and, or, uh, whatever the base layer for hands and then hand warmers and then had them in the paws and it, my hands were happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What'd you keep over your core? Like if you didn't have a onesie or, um, like how many layers were you guys wearing usually? That varied by person. At one point, Julie counted, I think eight layers. Oh, that she had on, including a down onesie. I, I didn't have top. that many. 
Um, I had a like a smart wool base layer both on the uh, on the bottom and then around camp like my down pants just over that. If we were going out jumping, I'd have like shell pants on, um, and I think I actually wear the down pants jumping as well. Mm-hmm. And then I actually had a super thin like silk layer on top, and then a smart wool layer, and then kind of a um, I don't know a mid weight layer. And then I had my like uh, my Patagonia lightweight down jacket, which I would also jump. And then I had a big kind of parka that I could put over that. So we're almost to eight layers. <laughs> <laughs> well, and respectfully, I would argue Brian has an extra layer compared to Julie. So yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, and so like I looked it up going into it, and everything I read about either Antarctic or Arctic expedition, you know, for surviving super cold, it was all about super warm, or not super warm, but uh, to be warm, you would want to wear a some sort of moisture-wicking base layer, a warm-down mid-layer, and a windproof outer layer. And so, windproof outer layer. I remember you talking about how how valuable that was. Yeah, yeah. So big, big props to you, Ben. You saved my ass in Bef- Baffin by hooking up, hooking me up with some Patagonia Gore-Tex. Yeah. And uh, yeah, um, so I literally wore Under Armour 4.0 uh, top and bottoms that my parents bought me for my birthday. Thanks, mom and dad. Love you. And then I wore, uh, Dukes hooked me up with his Baffin uh, down tops and bottoms. And then I had the Gore-Tex tops and bottoms. And in all honesty, I really only never really wore the Gore-Tex bottoms unless we were working hard. Like, And that's the thing is you have to have like options because the weather changes so much and there's so much variation between sunny, clear, and no wind and socked in and windy and gross. And so when we were, you know, hanging around camp building igloos and working, I could I could just wear a base layer and a Gore-Tex outer layer and be, you know, unzipping to keep from sweating. But then the rest of the time there would be moments where you had all three layers on. But yeah, the base layer stayed on the entire time. The down layer was almost all day every day. And then the Gore-Tex was for any kind of wind um, and then a combination of the two. But Trying really hard not to bleed over into the uh, base camp discussion, sure. but um, what did you sleep in? Yeah, that's interesting. So Aaron and I, we arrived by Kumatuk about one in the morning. Mm-hmm. And we were frozen solid and we got out of the Kumatuk's and... Six. What's a, what's a Comatex for those of us that haven't been there? It's a sled on the back of a snowmobile with a box built on the back. So if you think uh, you know the snowmobile has suspension, the sled has zero suspension, and just you know put yourself in a plywood coffin for six, four hours or however long it was, and uh, just Five, get six. just get beat to shit. <laughs> so, Every so, bump you feel. So you guys get to camp and it's super late and yeah. you're you're beat up and you're cold. Yep. So what what you what did you crawl? Well, we into were bed we with? were lucky actually because yeah. when we showed up, the the group that had arrived before us basically had to put their uh, camp together. 
Yeah, I mean, I think the tents were up, but they had to unpack. I think they came with their cots and their mats and their sleeping bags, so they had to unpack everything and then kind of set it all up in their tents. And we were really lucky because they had done some of that for us before we arrived. Yeah. Um, and so we t- we we got off the Kamatuks, t- and they were like, "Look, sleep in all your warm clothes, get in your bag, with everything on." And I was like, "Hmm." I remember the Boy Scouts when I was 12, and they were like, nope, you got to get in your sleeping bag naked, because that's are you, how... Are you sure that wasn't something else related to the Boy Scouts? But a bum <laughs> Or Catholic school? Oh. Church? Womp womp. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so some people have heard of the idea that uh, you're supposed to get in your sleeping bag... No offense to the Boy Scouts, but that's what they taught me in the Marine Corps, too. Yeah. You get down to your skivvies, and then your body heat generates more warmth. Yeah. (laughs) We don't teach that at all. (laughs) We teach all your layers if they're not wet. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. So that's the thing, is, like, there were so many different things, aspects of Baffin, that were opinion-based. There was opinions on whether to wear all of your clothes to bed, or... Go to bed with, you know, minimal layers. There was opinions on, you know, whether to keep wet clothes on and just layer up over them. And there were some that said don't get them wet and, like, vent and get yourself dry and stay dry as much as possible. I mean, there was all kinds of different ways of looking at things. But, yeah, so I went to bed in just my base layer sometimes my socks sometimes not um i don't know what'd you sleep in i i slept in more than that i had i had my down pants on sometimes i actually slept with my down booties on <laughs> and my down vest Ju- julie slept with her down onesie inside of a in negative sleeping 30 bag. yeah sleeping bag so i mean i think it's with, people with a layer uh what's that what was that liner it was just it like a fleece fleece blanket liner fleece liner anybody inside. sleep with their wingsuit on no. <laughs> no. I'm going to have to cut out all the Randy jokes. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, so, I mean, I uh, people swore by both ways, and so I think it's really a matter of, of personal preference and, and choice, whatever whatever you're comf- most comfortable with. Because, I mean, at some point you're just surviving, right? Yeah. But I have to say, like, as a woman, having to get up out of the tent and go pee... It was it was much easier to get out of the sleeping bag if I already had my down pants and my mm-hmm. down booties on than just sitting there freezing, not sleeping because you really don't want to get up. Yeah, is that yeah. a woman? Is that a woman thing? No, that was just a cold thing. Well, no, because like the guys had pee bottles, and I I really tried. There was one night I really tried. I had a shiwi and a and a bladder, and I really I was. But then I just I couldn't. I was all ready, but I just because then it would it would just be catastrophic, and so I. Put everything on, and I got up, and I went outside. Yep. Yeah, and there was, you know, we can talk about that, the the planning process for pissing. Don't drink water three hours before bed. And you can help it. And have a good night pee. Mm-hmm. Then sleep as long as you can until you have to pee. Mm-hmm. And then pee in that bottle, and then go dump it out. But we'll repeat that later. Don't worry. So anyway, uh, yeah. Um, sleeping in bags, base layers. I mean, everybody did different things. I was fine with just a base layer. 
What about diet? I mean, I mean, as far, I'm, as, I mean gear? as far as well, when it comes to gear, I guess that we're we're when that's we cold, huh? Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll talk. We'll, we'll talk about we'll, that later. We'll talk about gear when it comes to food and packing food for mm-hmm. for Baffin. <clears throat> uh, we got really lucky that uh, Baffin Safari hooked us up with amazing food the entire trip. Um, amazing, like we had a pizza oven. We had gluten-free pizza in the Arctic. Yeah, from a pizza oven. So I mean, we ate really good. Any of us who may or may not have lost weight gained most of it back quit pretty quickly. Um, I don't. I don't know. Like I never really. F- I was never hungry. No, and I mean the problem was is that the, the weather was pretty bad, and so we were sitting around camp quite a bit. So. I think we were boredom eating. We yep. were starting to go through food a lot faster than yeah. John was expecting. But basically, John, the the guy who runs uh, Baffin Safari, he and his family like were cooking meals, you know, a month in advance and freezing them, and they just kept them frozen and then sent them up with us from Ottawa's excess baggage. Mm-hmm. So it cuts down on the amount of, of kind of fresh water that you have to have if that stuff right. is just kind of already prepared. Yep. Yeah, so we had fr- freezer bags full of chili, beef stew, butter chicken. What were the we other things? Fish. We had veggies. Oh man! Like at one point, they Pizza. brought out the Arctic we had, char. Like we had rolls and croissants. Yeah, yeah. So we ate good, yeah. but as far as gear, still bring some snacks. Bring your own snacks, like power bars. Power bars were rock hard. I I found my favorite. Dried nuts and Snickers bars. Those were, those were awesome. Yeah, but Snickers bars are your favorites anyway. Yeah, so Snickers bars in the the Arctic. Yeah, who who doesn't love a frozen Snickers bar? <laughs> yeah, put that put that thing in the fridge for a minute, you know, an hour. Yeah. Oh yeah. So imagine a crunchy Snickers bar. It's so good. Mm. And and I mean when you when you look at Snickers bars, and you talk about the the nutrient profile, yeah, it's it's not healthy. However, it's Jam packed with calories, mm-hmm. and it's a mix of protein, sugar, and fat. I think I read an article one time where they were asking uh, climbers Ed Vistras. Oh, really? He's a climber, mm-hmm. mountaineer. Vistras. Vistras. Yeah, they were like, they're like, you know, name your favorite on the go power, you know, whatever. Yep. And I'm sure they were expecting him to say like, yeah, yeah, whatever. He was like Snickers. If I remember the article right. Yeah, he was like sugar. Give me sugar. I just want to go. And I and I saw a like I forget it was either Mountain Climber magazine, one of the magazine articles that did like a a year in review kind of survey. And one of the questions was like favorite uh, climbing snack, and Snickers was by and far, by large like one of the majority favorites. Yeah, yeah that's what got me through infantry training. Yeah. So it, I just throw those in my. Uh cargo pocket and snack on them whenever I could. Yeah. But yeah, so I would say pack pack a shit ton of snacks. Yeah, cuz the I mean the main meals were covered, but I mean snacks you you should bring yourself and the people who didn't were sad they hadn't. And I I made a mistake early on of sharing my snacks in the tent in the kitchen tent with a large group of people. That just means that all of your snack is gone. Hmm. So, I mean, I was talking to my tent mate, J- 
Jack Freeman about, uh, you know, feeling a little bad, but at the same time, having a nice little Snickers dessert in my own tent. A little stash. I had my own stash. I mean, so, like, literally it was, I would rather sit in my tent and eat my dessert away from everybody else who is going to sit and stare at you. Yeah, why did you feel bad? Because you prepared and all these other fools just were like, ah, baffin. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we talked a little bit off off air about like <laughs> camp etiquette, and we can we can talk about camp etiquette on the uh, yeah base, base camp. camp. But yeah, definitely pack dense, high calorie snacks, whether that's Snickers, almond butter, coconut oil, whatever it is you want. But also, it helps to have a expedition organizer who cooks vats of food months in advance. So that you don't have to worry about that. Because I can't imagine trying to do that by myself. No. Nah, it's a whole different thing. Maybe, um, maybe we should talk about like medical gear. Because we were super lucky. We had Charlie Heck on the yeah. trip. So Charlie Kerlinkus is a, an emergency room doc and a jumper. Um, and he came along on the trip and had, had us covered in terms of medical supplies. So that was one thing that we didn't have to think about or worry about. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really So you thought. <laughs> Luckily, we never had to test his training. Yeah. But we had an opportunity to get, you know, with, with the amount of weather we had, we had the opportunity to do quite a bit of uh, emergency medical training. Charlie probably brought like a bottle of Pedialyte and a Band-Aid. Some ibuprofen. Some ibuprofen. <laughs> Charlie, I love you. <laughs> Yeah. Charlie, Charlie's actually a subtopic on this podcast quite a bit. He really yeah. is. We, we got to get him on here. I was just with him in Monterey. Right. Yeah. Literally last week I was with him in Monterey. So awesome, dude. Yeah, I got a picture of you guys in bed together. Yeah, we were. With we him. were. And <laughs> believe me, I would have gone all the way. <laughs> like to the hilt. I mean, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Is there I mean, any other way? Yeah. <laughs> if you're going to go, you might as well go to the hilt. You will make it count, you know? So medical equipment or medical uh, thoughts on that kind of stuff. Well, first of all, bring first, a doctor. Yeah. Step one, bring a doctor. There so are Aaron, jumping docs. This, I think it was Aaron and Bam. Like, so Aaron can tell the how, well, did, so, how did we get a doctor on our trip? Well, so, I mean, it was, it was back in the fall, and I was chatting with Bam, who is a medic, right? Mm-hmm. Med tech. Uh, he was in the Marines, no. Uh, special Forces. Ranger, whatever. <laughs> I can't keep you guys all, all straight. You're all, those, those You're all gay. <laughs> those green Somewhere Bam just threw up <laughs> in his shirt. Nah, no, he was he, on a train. He was like... <laughs> no, because he'll never listen to this. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, so we were chatting, and I, and I said, Hey, Bam, would you help me put together a medical kit for, um, for Baffin? And first question he asked was, you know, Well, who's on the trip? Do you have anybody with any medical experience? And I was like, hmm, that's a really good question. Oh, my God, Bam. <laughs> Starting at Common Sense. So, we, um, so yeah. we, had a, we had a thread on Facebook um, going, and so I threw it up on the thread. And, you know, a bunch of people were like, yeah, you know, first aid, whatever, but not kind of anything more than that. And, and credit to, to John kind of jumped on that and um, asked somebody that he knew, I think Chad Peabody, mm. um, if he, I think if he was available because he had – been with John in, in Baffin before, and he wasn't, and he suggested Charlie. So John reached out to Charlie. Um, he kind of sent a message to the group and said, you know, what do you think about having Charlie on the trip? And everybody was like, yay, thumbs up. That's an excellent idea. And Charlie was on the trip. 
So, yeah. Thanks, Charlie. And as much as as much as as a friend, I like to talk smack about Charlie. When you listen to him talk about doing ER doc stuff, as soon as you scrape away the uh, the layer of I don't even know what you call goofy. it, Charlie. Yeah, the goofy Charlie layer. Yeah, where he's just like you know a doctor. I, I could do a whole podcast on on we should just Charlie. Call, we'll call Charlie. We at should. Some point. We should just call him. But occasionally. When uh, when he lets his guard down, he says these really poignant things about being a doctor that lets you know that that's his craft, right. you know? For sure. So that's a good person to have out there taking care of you. Yeah. So, I mean, I would say the first thing is that Baffin does not give a fuck about you. And even though we had Charlie out there, there were plenty of opportunities for us to be fucked. And Charlie couldn't do a goddamn thing about it. I thought you were going to say Baffin doesn't give a fuck about you and neither does Charlie. <laughs> would, would you say Charlie's an artist? Yeah, I would. Yeah. my reference? The, I don't get I it. would. Christopher Walken. Uh, uh-huh. Right? Yeah, yeah. From, yeah, yeah. from uh, oh, yeah. Man on Fire. But we were super lucky and other than, you know, a bit of minor like first stages of frostbite, we did not have any medical issues. Actually, we were flying back from Clyde River with Charlie on the plane, <sighs> and the, the Indian guy sitting next to me like had an epileptic seizure. I'm like, help! Is there a doctor on this plane? Did and Charlie check him for priapism? He did not. <laughs> he did not. That's only you, That's my only friend. That's only you, Ben. I'm the only person to have the honor of being checked by, by Charlie for priapism. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, bottom line was, uh, yep. Yeah, you would do really well to have a doctor on your on your trip, but at the same time, you have a whole lot of opportunity to really be screwed with or without a doctor. And I would say, you know, I'm not a medical professional, but um, if you do bring a first aid kit, don't have a doctor. Like, learn that first aid kit. Like, like pull it out, figure out what's what. Like, don't wait until you're in an emergency situation to learn how to use that stuff. Yeah, I mean, we even had an opportunity because of all the weather to have a first aid course with Charlie. So, yeah, um, I think the last couple topics we're going to cover, though. Um, I think we want to talk about exciting topic of water bottle containers. Oh. Lead us off, Bri. You know, when most of us base jumpers are pretty familiar with camelbacks, platypus, all those different types of containers, and every single one of them freezes rock solid in 20 minutes. And one of the things uh, about a camelback is the hose. The hose freezes in about five minutes. So, uh, worthless. Uh, completely uh, just not... The, the best thing to have in Baffin is one of those double-walled insulated thermoses. And just get a small diameter thermos. You know, they make them, you know, the size of a beer bottle. Um, And those will keep hot liquids hot and not frozen liquids not frozen. And that was, you know, that was... And what was your secret with the Nalgene? Oh, so it took me a little while to figure out, but, you know, with a one liter Nalgene, you never fill your Nalgene all the way up. You just fill it up with enough water that you're going to drink in that specific moment. Finish your finish your water, and then you don't have an ice block inside your Nalgene bottle. Because once it's frozen, 
you're going to have a really, really hard time getting that unfrozen. Um, People were putting their Nalgene's and their frozen platypuses like in the drinking water melting thing, which was not really a great idea. Yeah. We had one bucket, uh, not bucket, one giant pot for, for drinking water. And... You know, we made a little bit of a camp discussion at the very beginning of, hey, guys, let's not all get really, really, really sick by keeping the drinking water clean. And that meant that even when you were ladling water out of the um, drinking water pot, you would ladle it over a bowl so that you didn't have runoff because that's another thing. Any chance you can to get a wide mouth bottle of some sort is worth it because anybody with a platypus and a beer bottle sized hole trying to pour water into from a ladle is is a mess with gloves on and all that kind of stuff. So like the best thing to do is have a wide mouth thermos and for jumping, I don't know. I I never took water. Well, that's because we didn't hike. Correct. Um, so I think, you know, platypuses are, are handy for for the hikes, but, you know, they make um, they make them with wide mouth. Mm. You can get some with wide mouth. So it's still plastic and it folds up and you can, you know, put it in your pocket, but uh, it's still easy to ladle water in. Brian, didn't you have a uh, Nalgene for something else too? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you want to uh, avoid having to, Get out of your warm sleeping bag in the middle of the night and hike over to the designated urinal that was 50 meters away. It was nice to have a a, a pee bottle. Dedicated now, Gene, for pissing in. Yep. And so during the run-up to Baffin, there was some talk on the thread about different types of bottles. And somebody posted, I think it was JMO, that said, you know, I'm bringing a Tropicana bottle. It's got a screw top, big screw top lid, and it's you know big enough for for an entire night's worth of pee, and that's all well and good. However, it's not the most secure lid in the world. <laughs> the Tropicana. Yeah. Ah. I mean, if you cross thread it and you don't know it, and you turn that thing over, because some people slept with their pee bottles, and uh, yeah, uh, my. Tentmate ended up with a frozen wet spot in his... Oh, no. Not yeah. the good guy. Uh. Yeah. So, I mean, luckily the sleeping bag was big enough that it kind of draped over the 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 cot. And so where he had stuffed his pee bottle, it leaked, but it leaked only in just one area that was over the, um, the cot. So he wasn't laying in his own frozen pee. But, yeah. A now, one liter Nalgene bottle with a lot of duct tape on it to know exactly what kind of bottle you're holding in the dark is a uh, is a good thing to have. The other thing is we talked about pee before you go to bed, pee when you can't sleep anymore because you have to pee, get out of bed, pee in the pee bottle, take it to the urinal, dump it out. Otherwise, you're going to have a fro- frozen bottle of piss. And you can't really... What is- what if you left it inside the bag with you, and because it's it's warm, right? Yeah, and yeah. So I mean, if you leave we, it inside the bag with you. Right, no, no. But when you extra. when you get up in the morning, 
like go empty it. Don't yeah, like, for sure. Leave it there. Don't leave it with you. Yeah. So I mean, we talked a little bit about hugging your own bottle of piss um, before getting up there, and that was just never really an option because one, I was not going to try and pee in my sleeping bag. Just not enough room and too much margin for error there. And two, um, if you peed before you went to bed and you also didn't drink before you went to bed, you'd be all right. You'd sleep through the night or at least long enough till you had to get up and pee. And it was with the wind, it was easier to pee in your tent into a piss bottle and then take your pee bottle all the way out to the urinal, dump it out. And that was part of your like half hour morning wake up routine because it takes so long for everything just getting out of bed took you a good half hour but uh yeah so a bottle for piss a bottle for water and i would say uh and the for the nalgene's having a a cover to put over it mm. like that insulating uh zip up thing that bam gave us was super helpful to help it not freeze as quickly i mean it would still freeze in that thing but it would take longer than 20 minutes yep and then moving on yeah so the other uh the other bit of gear discussion that was fast and furious on the facebook page lots of discussion about um climbing gear things like ice axes and crampons so i chose early on to not bring either i brought some um Yak tracks. I brought some stuff to slip on over, but not like... Yak tracks, like crampons. Yeah, so slip over crampons that just have some studs. The rubbery ones that you just slide over your boots. Yeah. The the ones that you would probably use if you were shoveling snow in your driveway. Um, or going down to High Ultimate. Yeah. So I decided to just bring those because, again, this was a, a heli trip, and I had planned for a heli trip. Um, crampons would be great for a lot of the, um, hikes and some of the more technical climbs, but I never, I never, I actually never used any of those. I never really needed them. Did you bring, you brought legit crampons, didn't you? I brought crampons, but I only used them to go up to that, uh, glacier when we were ice climbing. Yeah. Um... I think if you are planning to, to do hikes, you should definitely take proper crampons. Yep. Um, the people who did do hikes took them. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it's just a heli trip and that's all you're planning on doing, probably yak tracks are enough. Yep. Ice axes. So uh, I did bring an ice axe. I know you didn't, Brian, because you haven't used one before and didn't feel like Baffin was the place to learn how to use one. I've, I've done some mountaineering in the past, so um, I do feel comfortable with an ice axe. I have my own ice axe, but I actually borrowed Dukes's from mm-hmm. the 2010 expedition because what they had done, so, I mean, I wasn't really excited about the idea of jumping with an ice axe. And so what they had done is they had taken the, whatever, the housing, the... The head? Yeah. The the screws that hold the head in had taken out kind of the permanent ones and then put wing nuts on both sides so that you could remove the sharp head and then just have the, the blade and the... Uh, the pole kind of together. So when you jump, it's not a weapon, basically. It's <laughs> I mean, disassembled. It, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and that w- that was my thing, was one, 
I didn't really expect to need an ice axe. If I needed an ice axe, I was in the wrong place to be to begin with. Two, I didn't want to jump one, and I didn't feel the need to buy an entire like ice axe setup for something I'll never use again. And uh, yeah, I think that, so. That the guys that did hike, um, at least some of the hikes, kind of decided that walking sticks were were enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then didn't take ice axes on later hikes. Um, so I had hiking poles as well. So I would definitely take hiking poles if you're planning to hike. Yeah. And make sure the hiking poles that you're going to take have baskets that are compatible. Cause, uh, yeah, we found out that, uh, black diamonds, carbon collapsible, super awesome hiking poles have no option for the wide basket at the bottom where the tip is, you you can't change out the tips. Well, for like a generic one that I picked up at the store, like I'm sure you can buy them from Black Diamond, but Black. We, by the time we thought about it, it was yeah. just too late to order them. Black mm-hmm. Diamond's got a different, uh, they've got a different Z pole yeah. that is, that's a ski pole mm-hmm. that's got those big ass baskets on them. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So we didn't have those. And honestly, like I said, heli trip, never used my hiking sticks. So fun stuff, maybe. Um, I brought a book. That lots of people brought, well, other people brought books, and then books got traded. That was fun. I was glad I had a book. Yep. Um, other people also brought other uh, equipment. So I know in the past, like, John Dewell took a, took a snowboard. Other people were thinking about skis. There are a couple guys with wings, paragliders. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Rob had ice climbing equipment, which was super fun. I got to test that out. Yeah. And, you know, ropes and stuff. Ice screws. Yep. And I think it would have been really cool to have a uh, kiteboard kite or some sort of uh, snow kite because out there on the flats on the ice with the the high winds, if you can't go jumping and you got high wind, now all of a sudden you've got a kite and you can just go screaming across the ice. You could just unpack your uh, base canopy and do a little... Kiting yeah. with it. <laughs> yeah. Know. Yeah, we did that on landing, <laughs> when landing backwards. Because as soon as you touched the ground, it was time for a fucking ride. So, the, but the winds were good enough up top to jump, but down, like, at landing, they were, I mean, if you're landing backwards. Yeah, was there's just... no wind to exit, but when we jumped into the shadow of the mountain. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, so, if you think about the, you know, the, the flow of the air across the where water would flow. Sure. That it's a little warmer down lower. A river of wind was flowing where the ice is, but up on the mountain, way up top, was nothing. So as you were making your way down, all of a sudden you were just in screaming winds. And so, yeah, you landed backwards, PLF, and start dragging your canopy to your body as you were screaming down the ice, you know, going for a ski ride on your butt. And you finally get your canopy into your hands and you stop moving. Like once you roll over and lay there for a second and you've, your fingers are numb and you're like, oh my God. And you're just kind of holding all your stuff so you don't keep moving. Catchers are nice. Mm. Now, did that did that damage any of your equipment getting dragged like that? Not that I know no. of. There's not really anything for it to catch on. 
Yeah. There's like no trees or There's rocks nothing. or anything. So you're just going. Yeah. But yeah. So, I mean, that's gear. I mean, I brought a book. I read Dune. It was 800, 900 pages. Um, I finished it three days early and started over because there was nothing else to do after we had built an amazing igloo. But, you know, we can talk all about that in base camp. But yeah, have have things that don't require electricity that can pass the time. Old school. Yeah, for sure. We played a little cards. We brought some cards. Yep, we had two different games going. We had Euchre going on one side, and what were you guys playing? Strip poker. No strip poker? We, oh, we were no. playing... All these... Something spades. Jack told us, taught us something that was like using poker hands to... Oh, we played a game that was kind of like asshole, mm. and then more people joined and we started playing like hearts. Brian, yeah. do you know how to play euchre? I do now. Oh, oh I learned. now, okay. I was like, all these years I've known you. You know, like I'm from Ohio. <laughs> That's like what, That's play, what people play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Charlie, Charlie was all about it. Ah, euchre. Yeah. Ben, do you play euchre? Never heard of it, mm. but I also don't know how to play any card games at all. Yeah, because I don't play. Oh, we don't play that. Sorry, the Ohioan in me just got a little excited. Yeah. It's, it's pretty yeah. rare. It's pretty rare. But Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so, um, yeah, that's gear. I mean, there's a lot of things to talk about with gear. We can cover, like, jumping gear when we talk about jumping, no? All right. Yep. Any uh, closing thoughts on gear, guys? Just that, I mean, there are packing lists, so if you have any questions, definitely reach out and we can share packing lists. Packing lists from the 2010 expedition were shared with us and... Yeah, we'll have some uh, contact info in the show notes, along with lists of things to bring, not to bring, and uh, some other thoughts. Sounds good. Great, guys. guys. Well, this was uh, part one of the Baffin Expedition uh, series, so stay tuned for for more. Shout shout out to Ben for, uh, A, hooking Brian up with some gear, and B, being being my... uh, co-host as we interviewed Aaron and Brian. <laughs> Thanks, bro. All right. You. Thanks, guys. Ciao. All right. See you next time. All right, guys. Hopefully you enjoyed that episode. Um, please feel free to like it, share it, and let us know what you think.